0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Hey, this is Megan Urpino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More.
2: New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network.
3: Hey everybody, it's good old J.R. Jim Ross, the voice of A.E.W. Wrestling. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. C.V.V. Chris Fansley. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. TCO
0: The French Canadian Frankenstein.
3: Hey, this is your Olympic Hero Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. We're gonna have one hell of a podcast.
2: Guys, It's episode 146, Top Rope Nation. We're getting retro on you this week. We are talking about the legacy of WWF slash WWE In Your House. We've got a great crew on the line to break it all down. We're going to be talking about some of the greatest matches in the history of the event as WWE NXT gets ready to rekindle the In Your House name this Saturday night for NXT TakeOver. So on the line with me tonight... I do have Justin Joint and Kyle Ross, my usual sidekicks, as well as Zach Haydorn from Pro Wrestling Torch and Fan Sided, who joined us on our Thursday show. And so we're going to kind of just dive right into it with the In Your House discussion for the Monday show here this week and uh, just kind of run down some facts about In Your House itself, how it got started and everything. And uh, before I do that, though, I just kind of wanted to talk to you guys. I mean, did you guys order these as fans in the mid 90s very often at all i mean kyle how often were you ordering the in your house pay-per-view events
0: can't say i ever paid for one definitely watched a few <laughs>
2: <laughs> love that take justin i think yeah. uh you're you're gonna be in a similar boat if i remember your uh, situation in the mid 90s and how pay-per-view happened in your household
4: Hold on. I'm contacting the FBI to report. <laughs>
3: <laughs> leave
0: the step. Hey, leave the statute of limitations passed on 23 year old, the scramblers, uh, Justin in my house, by the way, if the FBI is listening, I will gladly give up the person whose house it was at just to save myself. <laughs> Shame.
2: Shame. Justin, Shame.
0: Justin, Justin,
2: <laughs> didn't you have one of the, or was it your dad had one of those like huge antennas that you would see people having in the eighties and nineties in his yard or something? He he did. And for about a year I
4: got every pay-per-view for free, but thank God that was during uh 91, 92. Oh yeah.
2: That's like your prime WCW era, right?
4: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> Check the archives over on Patreon because uh we talked about Super Brawl 2 on Top Rope Nation Classics, the Patreon exclusive show. Justin loves that era, for sure. And uh, Zach, you kind of talked about your history with wrestling fandom on Thursday's show. If you guys didn't catch that show and you want to know all about Zach, you can check it out on Thursday's show. He talked about how he got into wrestling and and uh, podcasting with Pro Wrestling Torch and all of that. So talking about getting into wrestling in 98, that was kind of the tail end of In Your House, Zach. But did you have a chance to order any of those live in 1998?
1: uh i was a pay-per-view scrambler as as well but it wasn't me it wasn't me it was a a close friend and you know what i I, i'll keep that friend under wraps unless you know (laughs) that guy comes running uh but yeah no so i did i came in at the tail end um i did watch them, and then obviously went back and 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 watched all of them um but uh but yeah it's kind of like uh it's part of you know my fandom of wrestling but not not something that was you know instrumental in in defining me as a wrestling fan or anything like that I more so went back and checked it out uh, in the rearview mirror
2: yeah so i don't think i saw any of them live prior to like 98 and then i saw a few at friends houses and stuff we're going to talk about like what the price of these shows were at the time here in just a minute which was incredibly cheap even by modern standards but I still couldn't convince my parents to pay for them.
4: <laughs> Quick question. How did, how did you guys watch these? Because like, it was really hit or miss on if my local uh, rental store had them. It seemed re- I mean really random which ones they popped up.
2: I didn't see most of them until I got into tape trading. Like late 90s, early 2000s, I would say.
0: That, I was, was going to say that's funny. I was thinking of that exact same thing, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, my first tapes that I bought off eBay were in your houses because yeah. i didn't have like it was bad blood in my it was a tape of mind games and bad blood together
2: yeah i remember getting into like coliseum videos and stuff and they would put out mm-hmm. these shows with different names like they wouldn't call mm-hmm. them in your house on the tape they'd have some weird yep. i can't even think of what, what they were called winter like. combat yeah stuff like that spring explosion yep and then it would be like all the matches from in your house so and so like in fine print and those those tapes in the late 90s, early 2000s, I used to buy them on eBay, like probably a lot of you guys did, and they would go for so much money, like the Coliseum video in your house shows were always the highest ones, I think, from what I recall, as far as the auction goes. Kyle, you talked about buying a lot of Coliseum videos before, back in that era, were you ever able to to nail down any of the in your house shows?
0: Yeah, I probably have almost all of them. Uh, fun fact, I think the. Only WWF pay-per-view pre-2002 that I haven't watched is the It's Time show. Okay, December I think I've 96. Seen, yeah, the December 96. I never bothered to watch it, and I I really think I've seen every other one but that. I was thinking about that earlier today, and I, I can't vouch that with 100% certainty, but I'm pretty damn sure that's the only pay-per-view like pre-2002 that I have not seen hmm interesting
2: you know one of the things I, I used to like on the in your house days back then is on the sunday morning show like superstars and then i think uh was it action zone around that time too like mm-hmm. they used to film at the venue that in your house was going to be at later yeah. that that night and i do yeah, remember yep. on the sunday of the it's time december 96 in your house they did something with like there was a brawl going on at the arena in the morning i think it was Brett and Sid, or maybe it was Sean. I, I can't remember. There was like a brawl, I think, on Superstars that morning. I don't know if any of you guys remember that at all. But I used to love tuning in on, on Sunday mornings because they would be doing stuff actually like at the venue from the pay-per-view that night. And that's that's why that show in particular uh, stands out to me. But um, yeah, we're going to talk about how the shows got started. Like why did they start this event called In Your House? What's the background there? But before we do, get some some uh, housekeeping items out of the way so of course we're members of the blue wire podcasting network check out bluewirepods.com for all of your podcasting needs you can check out nba nhl mlb all kinds of podcasts wrestling as well you can find our friends the two jabronis with a wrestling podcast you can find chris van vliet you can find fight game media lots of great stuff if you're into wrestling over at bluewirepods.com also if you are listening to our show for the very first time. Regardless of what podcasting app you're using, hit that subscribe button. It helps us out a lot. Leave us a written review. Leave us five stars. Each and every one means a whole lot to us. We thank you for your support. And if you really want to support the show, head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Nation, And you can read the details there on all of the exclusive benefits and the free gift you can get in the mail for signing up. So check it out. And we also got a... Throw a shout out to our good friends over at Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner Bet Online. NASCAR is back and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA and UFC events 24/7 or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling The Final Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action, BetOnline your online wagering solution. So guys, WWF started the In Your House pay-per-view in May of 1995, May 14th to be exact. Uh, the first event was held in Syracuse, New York, and it's pretty iconic because they gave away a house in Orlando, Florida. So WWE even having the ties to Orlando back in 1995, evidently, uh, that was, you know, they called the show In Your House. They're giving away a house. That was the big draw. And it worked because this show actually did the the largest amount of pay-per-view buys of any In Your House ever. That goes up until February of 1999 when the last In Your House happened. 332,000 buys for the first show, May 14th, 95. Kyle, did you enter the giveaway contest at the time?
0: I did not. My parents were very happy where we were at. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I'll say this, just a little addendum to your thing, and I'll let you go with the rest of these facts yeah. and figures. That very much bucks the trend that was going on in 1995. Like, business was real bad oh, in yeah. 95. So mm-hmm. for... A show to do well like that, even if it was just kind of a one off, because the rest in your houses did generally decline over time um, shows that probably the house giveaway did work in drawing people. Yeah, because, you know, I don't know what else it would have been.
2: <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the drawing, they did it during the pay-per-view live. Todd Pettengill's out there. He had to call twice the first time. He, it's like he forgot to hit nine or something. I don't know. but like it, Todd always had a lot of calling <laughs> trouble on these pay-per-views. <laughs> he did. Uh, we talked about uh, they did the million-dollar one, uh, SummerSlam 97. If you check the archives on our Patreon page when we reviewed that show, we talk about that giveaway as well, and they had a lot of issues Sorry, there too. Sorry, I'm not watching. <laughs> but this one... So he messes up the first time and then he calls. And it's really, it's actually really good to watch back because it's a legitimate moment. Uh, Vince is laughing after he missed the first time, which is funny because, you know, inside Vince is just like cursing. He's so pissed that Todd Pettengill screwed this up. But they call and like the father answers and you can hear the kids screaming in the background because they won. And then the dad like doesn't believe it on the phone. But it was an 11 year old kid that won out in uh, Henderson, Nevada. His name was Matt. Pompaselli actually wwe.com did an interview with him back in 2012 where they asked him if he still lived in the house and he said no I actually sold it about six months after we won it Uh, (laughs) because like I mean what are they going to do you know they're not going to they're not going to move he said that they had just moved from New York to the Las Vegas area so they weren't exactly going to move to Orlando and uh, they thought about renting out the house you know, but decided to sell it. He got about one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars for it, which
0: in ninety five that's, that's a really good yeah. pull. So wow. he wasn't was it the deal that WWE was going to cover the mortgage for just a year.
2: I thought there was something about that too. I was going to research that, but I, I didn't. I didn't come across anything like that. Okay. But... That would
1: be so WWE to do that. <laughs> Here's your house,
2: and yeah. then it's one payment. Yeah. You're, this isn't this new development like your house insurance is going to be
0: sky high good luck buddy <laughs> see you later no we've got great news for you too we've cut your pmi but you're on the hook for everything else
2: oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah like there's like a neighborhood fee homeowners association and all that yeah no he sold 175 grand that's a really good poll though i mean He said he used it to pay his way through college, probably, and then some. So that's what happened with the house. That was the only time they ever did that. Why did they start the show? Basically, WCW was starting to run more pay-per-views. They had nine pay-per-views in 95. We know uh, WWF at the time, they were running, what, five pay-per-views a year? Rumble, Mania, King of the Ring, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. In 95, WCW moved to nine. What were the ones they added? They added uh, Uncensored... Or the other new ones in 95? I know I'm putting you guys on the spot. They did
0: Super Brawl, Uncensored, Slambery, Great American Bash, Bash at the Beach, Fall Brawl, Halloween Havoc, World War III. So that was new. That was new. And Starcade. Okay.
2: Yeah, so it was WCW increasing the amount of pay-per-views. WWE wanted to respond. Uh, WCW moved to 10 pay-per-views in 96, and by 97, they were running uh, 12. WWF hit 12 before that because they started the In Your House in May 95, and they were basically running those in in the off months between the big five, as they call them, the ones I mentioned before. The first, well, basically until September of 97, every in your house was two hours long. By September 97, they moved them to three hours. The first five were just $14.95, which is about 25 bucks in in today's money. I guess I couldn't really call that cheap for a two hour show, but you know, compared to it was half of what they were charging for the three hour pay per views, like $29.95 for SummerSlam, for example, and and Mania, but $14.95 for in your house. But, yeah, I still couldn't get my parents to shell out the money for these. I mean, this was the era where if you didn't have a scrambler or a big antenna in your yard, you had to go to the cable company and rent a box. Like, you had to drive across town, get the box, go ho- hook it up at home, rent it, and then return it. You know, it's before digital cable, so not everyone had those in their homes. So it was like a big deal when we got pay-per-views in my house, and so even though they were only fifteen bucks, like I could never convince my parents to get these. So we, I didn't see a lot of them live personally, uh, but they moved them by uh, I guess in your house six. They moved them to uh, nineteen ninety five, and uh, I mentioned earlier this first one did three hundred thirty two thousand buys. The second most bought in your house was the April ninety six, Good Friends Better Enemies, that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. That one did 324,000 buys. So in an era when really the business wasn't that hot, as Kyle said, these In Your House, these first few, they were pulling in pretty good numbers. I mean, they were beating what the Attitude Era In Your Houses did later on. So, um, basically, by September of 97, uh, In Your House changed a little bit the ground zero show that happened in september 97 that was the last time that they used that iconic stage you know the wrestlers came out of what looked like a house at the top of the ramp uh that was last used in september 97 they kept using the in your house name after that until february of 99 but in your house became like the second part of the title so before this like they would call it for example in your house canadian stampede But September 97 and afterwards, those subtitles became the lead title. So Ground Zero In Your House, it became Ground Zero In Your House, or Bad Blood In Your House, rather than the other way around. So they started kind of phasing out the In Your House name. All in all, there was 27 In Your House events. Like I mentioned, the final one was in February 99. That was the St. Valentine's Day Massacre show. Um, They did kind of, they started using the name In Your House for the March 99 Backlash show. (laughs) that had a Rock Austin rematch from WrestleMania that year. But as the show got closer, they actually just kind of quietly removed the In Your House name, and it just became WWF Backlash. And that was the end of In Your House until this Saturday night when NXT TakeOver rekindles the name. Kyle, you said you had a couple other facts that I didn't mention. Anything you want to throw out to the listeners?
0: Uh, Actually, you know what's funny? In your top ten, remember before the show, I was like, God, you had this other note in here, and I thought I was so smart. Uh, mm-hmm. In your top ten, you've included the note, so Ooh, is it no, my first want, one there? Yes. The only other thing I'll include, I will include one thing, is I preferred the unique names of In Your House to how they do it today, where you just have the you know backlash repeated every year. Mm-hmm. I don't think the name backlash means anything and is worth repeating every year. I think you know if you tell me In Your House Beware of Dog, I know what the main event of that show was. If you say Backlash 2009. I'm gonna struggle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought the a, unique branding was great.
1: That's such a good point, and it also it also brands like the shows for the the stars that are on them, not just the show as a name. You know, you like mm-hmm. you said, you can call back and go, "Beware of Dog." I know what that that I know what the main event was because you you, you can put those stars with that title. It's a great point.
2: Yeah couple other things. I, I got to fact check myself here because I think I misspoke a second ago. It was actually the fifth in your house where they switched to the 1995 price tag. So it was the, the first four were the cheaper, basically $15 <laughs> price tag. And by December of 95, which is a show we're going to talk about, they moved it up. They bumped it up to the 1995 uh price tag another quick note so diesel these sh-
0: title run is over folks give us five more yeah. dollars we did you a favor that's
2: exactly right that's what happened yeah uh, and then uh, the shows were two hours until that ground zero show that I mentioned uh, the September 97 show and that one ran three hours and from that point on in your house was the same length as the more featured uh, the big five shows the three hour time limits and man guys wouldn't we want to go back to three hour pay-per-views these days sometimes I was just gonna say, what would you give up to, to have a two hour pay per view? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah,
0: seriously. Talk about a different era. So whenever I watch those shows, and this like lasted until like the early part of you know the 2010s, two hours and fifty minutes is such a sweet spot for a pay per view, man. Oh yeah. Like whenever I watch any of those pay per views, I'm like, you know, that went by quick.
2: Oh, look at NXT Takeover. There you go.
1: Yeah, like you said, it should be an easy watch, you know, mm-hmm. and those were.
2: So we what we did is we all kind of assembled our, our top 10 lists of our top 10 favorite in-your-house matches. So if you guys follow my writing over at comicbook.com, I recently did a column on what was the seven best in-your-house matches. You guys can find – actually, if you Google best in-your-house matches, I believe it is the top result – so you can well, see that list me. there. <laughs> not to pat myself there on the back go. too much, but well, probably because it's me, recent. Mr. Google machine, I didn't <laughs> know that we were so good at SEO. <laughs> probably <laughs> just because it's recent, to be honest. But hey, it was a pretty good column. I'm pretty and proud of it. I love the
0: column. And now, to be fair, though, you did not rank them seven to one. So no, the they weren't in, the in any particular order. Are going to get that correct?
2: Well, I didn't actually do mine in any particular order this time either, to be honest with oh, you. Uh, Although my number one, re- like I could tell you for sure what my number one is. Yeah. Probably one, two, and three. But yeah, that column yeah. I just I did them chronological order. Um, so there's when we look at our top ten, there's probably like six, seven, eight of them that all of us are probably gonna have on their lists. And uh, should I just kind of run down those? <laughs> because I mean these are gonna these are gonna make the list regardless. I think, well, let's just start with Ground Zero, all right? So, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Ground Zero, September 97. The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels were unbelievable together. You know, we all know about the WrestleMania matches, 25 and 26, but you go back to 97 and in early 98, these guys had this program that started basically coming out of the finish of SummerSlam 97, where special referee Shawn Michaels cost the Undertaker the match with the chair shot against Bret Hart. And then they have this match at Ground Zero in your house in September. Spoiler alert, alert, another one that we're going to be talking about, October 97, the Hell in the Cell match, <laughs> yeah. right? They had the Royal Rumble match after that. Like, these guys, oh my God, talk about ring chemistry. I'm pretty sure that this made all of our lists. This made mine, uh, it made Kyle's. Justin, you got this one on your list? I'm looking down nope. right now. Oh, you don't have this one on your list. Zach, would this one make your list? This was on my list. Yep, Absolutely.
0: So this is, this is a really uh, good match. Can I match? comment yeah. on one thing on that match? Yeah. Please? Yeah. The opening five seconds of that match may be the best opening five seconds of any match I've ever watched in history. Where Sean is holding, uh, I can't remember if it's Earl Heppner or Mike Kiyota now in front of him because I, one of them replaces the other one. But he's holding the ref in front of him, like hiding from The Undertaker. And then he kind of gently shoves the ref into the Undertaker and he turns around and he does like this sweat off my brow, like, I'm safe. <laughs> and while he's doing that, Undertaker just decks the ref and Michaels turns around and has this unbelievable reaction, which is just like, uh oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> and I just want to use that to say the opening five seconds of a match it is, you can really hook the audience in right off the rip and i just don't know if i've ever seen a better start to a match ever than this i mean the ending is obviously a schmoz but at least we get the undertaker plancha uh to kind of make up for it but this was a novel brawl and i think it starts right from the jump man Mm -hmm.
1: i think that's a good uh assessment of of a lot of hbk matches (laughs) on these in your house shows i mean he he the way the way he sells against really all of his opponents and a variety of different styles, whether it's Owen Hart or the undertaker, he's got just this really just this, this, this incredible way of just reacting to, to his opponent. And it helps the matches so
0: much. Mm-hmm. The way he runs to the, in your house set, Ryan mentioned, this is the last time they use this set. He runs to the set at the start of the match and tries to escape through the door and it's locked what a frickin' hoot and a half that is. <laughs> imagine, you know, imagine starting a match with a lockup. Okay? Start a match by hitting the referee and then the heel running to try to get out of a door. That's
2: the <laughs> way you do it. These guys didn't have much of a history before this. You think about how many years they had been no. in the WWF together and they never really worked in any high
0: profile program until ninety seven, which is kind of mind boggling. I don't think you can yeah. replicate that dynamic in 2020. Can you imagine keeping two stars that big? And, and granted, Sean was a tag team guy at first, but for like seven years, See, yeah, they seriously. just somehow don't wrestle at all. Yeah. That, 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 that's impossible to do in the modern era.
2: Yeah. I mean, they, I know they work together at some house shows and stuff, but as far as television feuds and pay-per-views, yeah, not at all, which is, is mind boggling. Uh, so Justin, you did not have this one on your list. This is one that we, most of us had on our list though. Why, why did this one not make your list? Do you want to tell the listeners?
4: Honestly, I don't think I've watched it since, you know, maybe a, a year after it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure if I went back and rewatched it, I, it would probably make my list. Um, my list is a little bit more just, uh, reactionary from just memory
2: yeah and to be fair this match although it's good doesn't stack up to the one they had the next month which i know you do have on your list right mm-hmm. and then bad blood uh, this would be to me probably the greatest uh in your house match i think no doubt this would be number one if i'm ranking 10 down to one uh so they followed up this match at bad blood with the first ever hell in a cell match a cage no one can enter sean so
3: michaels Has his date with destiny. Destiny, A hell no man can escape. Undertaker, I'm gonna take you down, put you down, and bury you underneath that ring. There's nowhere to run. There's only one way out. Nowhere to hide. And that's over. My dead body. No one to stop the cottage. Who the hell I am? Shawn Michaels. The Undertaker, hell in a cell. I can never rest in peace. WWF Bad Blood, in your house, live this Sunday on Pay-Per-View. I have never seen anything like this in my life. This is not a pretty sight. We knew it wouldn't be. Mark the start. What he has to do to survive! Oh, no! The hands are features of Shawn Michaels being rearranged next to the underpincher! Incoming! Incoming! Oh! Michaels may be broken in half. Somebody's gotta stop this, big man. Michaels is a bloody mess!
2: You go back and you watch this one now, the cell looks quite a bit different than the cell you will see today. It's not quite as tall. In fact, Sean hits his feet on the roof of the cage a couple times, taking backdrops. Uh, but it was just, I think it's still the best hell in a cell match ever, and it was the first one, so that's quite the testament to the work that these guys put in. So they they topped what they did at September. Kyle's got this on the list. I got it on my list. Justin does. I'm sure you do, Zach, as well.
1: Yep, absolutely. Yep, it's not not only it's. I mean, it's a, it's a match that stands up not just you know best in your house matches, but I mean, it's a it's a top match. Period.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Justin, yeah, it, your
1: first memories
4: of watching this one? Visual of Undertaker ramming Sean's face into the cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean falling from the cage. Kane showing up. It, just all those kind of those little moments that made for a lot of things we really had never seen before. And I mean, just imagine the first gimmick match really not not only setting the bar but setting it so high that nobody else comes close in my opinion Mm -hmm.
2: this is kind of like cocky arrogant of course dx was just starting but like prime Shawn michaels of that era i love the promo he gave that night before the match where he yells out he says uh he says, ain't nobody crazy enough to do this gig except the Heartbreak Kid. I love yeah. that line. And,
0: mm-hmm. and let's also not forget earlier that Promo was saying, quote, at least my coveted European title is not on the line tonight.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I mean, Sarcastic, snarky. That yeah.
0: was. All right,
3: Sean. Obviously, all the talk is over with. Your illustrious career on the line in moments. Because only one man is going to walk out of the hell in a cell. Best I can tell, there's some good news and there's some bad news. The good news is this match is not for my coveted European Championship. That will stay around the waist of the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Now, the bad news. 15 foot high steel cage. No way in, no way out. Well, there is one way. Through a locked door. Once I get in, once the undertaker gets in, it'll be locked behind me. Troops. I think I'm gonna have to go this one alone. If it weren't for my wonderful athletic ability, the fact that I'm tougher than nails, the fact that I'm the man here in the World Wrestling Federation, the fact that I'm the showstopper, the headliner, the main event, is the only thing that's gonna get me through this. That and the fact that I am the most tenacious man in a World Wrestling Federation. And the fact of the matter is, ain't nobody crazy enough to do this gig, except for the heartbreak kid. So I'm going to go out there and show you why I am the number one guy in this business today. Gentlemen, ladies. Thank you very much.
0: Look, I'm just a total middle finger to the Bulldog and him just, you know, getting that booking overturned oh, that's a whole story on yeah one night only mm-hmm. i mean when he like i laugh every single time i see that promo. i'm like what an asshole seriously have, like, <laughs> covers, like brett or especially the Like, i would have like charged him
2: yeah prime like, arrogant Shawn michaels <laughs> there it is yeah
0: and that kind of made the match to me because the whole story of this match was all right you kind of think Sean is going to win to set up the match with Predator Survivor Series. Because remember, this was to set up the number one contender. Yeah, But it's like, well, how's he going to beat The Undertaker? And I'm going to go on the record right now. I think the Kane finish is outstanding. I know there are some people, because you're trained to think this way, oh, well, it was interference, so that kind of sucks. I'm going to, like, deduct a quarter star or something. I couldn't disagree more in this instance. The only logical way for Shawn Michaels to win this match is for the Undertaker's presumably dad, half brother to show up and interfere, <laughs> right? I mean, that's like the only way he wins. And like, think about the whole Kane storyline. Put yourself back in 1997. Like, it sounded really stupid. Let's just be honest. Like, they're going on about this thing, and if there was like Twitter or if the at that time or if the internet was in its infancy. My God, the comp- I mean, I know there was complaining going on at the time, but people were like, dude, this is going to be horrible. This sounds really shitty. But they, I mean, <laughs> there was no better way for Kane to debut than the way they did it. I thought it was a complete home run. Um, Love the finish. Love Jerry Lawler yelling incoming when Michaels hits the table. And, you know, not to put this into a dark place, I am still astounded that these two were able to have a match this good with the shadow of the Brian Pillman death. Mm-hmm. yeah, Like that yeah. is insane. like, we're like, like, wow. Like, you know, Meltzer, if you read his observer for that period, it's just all Pillman and he doesn't even review the pay-per-view. And his last line is like, and somehow Shawn Michaels and the undertaker went out that night and had the greatest cage match of all time.
2: Yeah, no, it is. It's amazing that they were able to put that together and, they sure as hell did, and it, it stands the time. It's still one of the greatest cage matches of all time, and in my opinion, still the greatest Hell in a Cell match of all time. So kudos to those guys. I think, I think when you look at the history of In Your House, there's pretty much three names that rise to the top that could lay claim to the title Mister In Your House, and it's Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, and Bret Hart. You know, when I look at my list, those mm-hmm. are the names that come up the most.
0: Mm-mm. So I were- don't. I was going to say, what's that? Two of them were, but I, I was actually surprised by your third. Not Bret Hart. Who are you going to say? No, not the Undertaker. Bret, so Bret and Sean are give going Okay. I, I'm okay. Gonna say Steve Austin.
2: Oh well, yeah, Steve. Steve is Steve well, is he, in a couple of mine as well.
1: Yeah, he's on mine a lot on my list too.
2: As I look at my list, I've got the Undertaker like four times. Four. He's in four of my ten, and I think I think Austin's in three of them so yeah it's pretty close pretty close for Ryan, sure i want to bring
0: this back full circle because i know we're going to move on to different matches yeah you, you made a very excellent point at when we started this top 10 the undertaker to me i don't think enough people think this or at least it's it's not talked about enough maybe it is and i'm just not paying attention the undertaker is Shawn michael's best opponent they yes. have such a unique chemistry i mean when you look at this era and then of course you go to the two wrestlemania matches at the end of sean's career and how different those are than what they did in 97 it's you can't create that you know like in terms of like a like the booking committee like they just had it man they 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 just worked unbelievably well together in the ring and i, I have no hesitation calling undertaker Shawn michael's best opponent of all time
2: yeah, I think, I think you definitely make the argument, and again, it's pretty crazy that they didn't work a high-profile program for seven years until 97, and then, wow, they come out of the gate with this, that September 97's Ground Zero, and they follow that up with Bad Blood, and then, yeah, later on, WrestleMania, not to mention Royal Rumble 98, and yeah, just all kinds of uh, good matches between the two, so plenty to, to check in the archives there. I guess we could keep this on 97, and uh, one that I think made all three of our lists, I'll ask Zach, but the uh, the 10-man at Canadian Stampede a couple months earlier, July 97, it's just the atmosphere of that match, the crowd, mentioned a couple weeks ago on the show, but to me, it's, it's the greatest WWE crowd of all time that night in Calgary, uh, the match is, it's like a 10-man tag, so it's hard to... It's hard to rank that like ring quality wise versus like some of these singles matches and stuff like you get all the stars a little bit in the 10 man tag. But I think overall, just the way they involve the Hart family, not just the people in the ring, but the people at ringside. And then, of course, what happened after the match with the celebration and stuff. This has to make the list for me. So this is on my list. It's on Kyle's list. Uh, Justin, it's on your list. Zach, would this one make your list?
1: Yes this is high on my list too. I've got this uh ranked fourth on, on my list just and and like you said it's not I don't even really know like if you took this exact match and you put it in a different environment in a different building with a different crowd who knows how how good it would be but just the environment is is what's there and i mean that's what's so memorable about it and uh, the fact that you had some some obviously some top some some top stars in there but the the crowd reaction is something that's it's unforgettable and it and it, it really helped make the match can you imagine if Sean would have been in this match
2: oh man <laughs> you know, oh, this was the heat he, he, oh he would my on. god it would have been even greater and it was already a great match but you know this was when Sean was kind of away because oh, you know of the what, fight though? in the locker room and everything yeah
0: you know what though would it have taken away from Austin?
2: I don't know. I mean, it mean, had, might
0: yep. it seriously might have, I think.
2: Yeah. But they had they had just been, you know, the tag team champions, so they still <laughs> had all of that going on too. And or actually yeah, I, they hadn't I, I just, had they won Yeah, they had been the tag team champions. So yeah, they had then so, yeah. like
0: yeah, and then they, they relinquished it. But I just think like Austin was so awesome that it didn't even matter who his teammates were. His performance in this is just so ridiculously good. <laughs> you know, like when he's handcuffed at the end. Middle just, fingers, yeah. Off the heart family. It's so like, it's like, like, if Sean was there, it, it's kind of crazy to think. It might have actually gotten in the way of Austin. I, I actually, I know what you're saying, but, you know, Sean would have kind of been doing a look at me bit, I have a feeling. Because this is 97, and it may have taken away from Austin. And Austin was good enough on his own to carry the rest of his team in so, terms yeah. of yeah charisma it's a very good point
2: it's hard, it's really hard to say you know whether it would take away or if you just have two times the heat i don't i don't know but certainly sean in that environment holy cow i mean look to that raw that was in was it montreal yeah. in like the mid-2000s where he teased that mm-hmm. brett was coming out and the nuclear heat he got now insert sean and in canadian stampede in calgary
0: in july 97 <laughs> just will be unreal that? a few weeks after this when he comes back yeah. I mean, I know we're we're probably not allowed to repeat some of the language that went back and forth now. I mean, the crowd. Cha- I mean, I'll never forget Sean saying, quote, why don't you ask your mama and your sister how gay Sean is? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, hello. I mean, oh boy, God, different times. I mean, that I mean, that was just insane.
2: I'll tell you what, you guys. If you are not, if you have never seen '97 WWF Television, for the love of God, go back on the network and watch
0: every single RAW from 1997. Because what a year! Unbelievable. You know, just skip, skip the gang wars parts. Uh, this was number three on my list. Obviously, Taker shot and Hell in a Cell was number one. And it is funny because the focus is kind of on not, like, not in the the, the in ring stuff. My favorite parts of this are the introduction of Bret Hart before the match and how they build to that pop. And just how much fun Brian Pillman was having during this whole thing. Like he just had the biggest spot. Remember when he, like he had t- like he was working shamrock and he got shamrock on the ground and he takes shamrock's arm and he starts doing the tap out motion with it. He said, it looks like he's having the time of his life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that makes me laugh every time. Yeah. I mean, even I was getting strong baby face pops. Oh yeah.
4: You know, uh, just going back to, uh, talking about, you know, 97 WWF and especially undertaker being Sean's best opponent. You got to remember, we were, we were cheated out of, uh, you know, a couple Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart matches. And especially in this area era from like 95 to 97, I mean, they could have put on a couple classics that would have put that conversation to bed.
2: Yeah, that's true. Look at Survivor Universal Series '92. For- you know, in the first well, time they-, they had the high-profile matches singles. You look at obviously the Iron Man match is a is a little bit uh, controversial between people, I think. But I really like the match, and even you know the Survivor Series '97 match was a really good match before the finish and. Yeah, those guys were also kind of made for one another, too. We just didn't get the matches. We didn't get the amount of high-profile matches like we had with uh, Taker and Sean.
0: They were supposed to work WrestleMania, and mm-hmm. they didn't because yep. Sean's knee started acting up. Uh, Originally, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then they were <laughs> supposed unquote. to work when the ring. When Brett's, heart, when, when Brett's knee was acting up, but they are still going to work, but then they got into the fight, and they were just like, no, we're not going to put these yeah. two in the ring together.
4: So that that's what yeah. we're missing. We're missing that 20 to 25-minute, you know, 96 97 era brett sean match
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'd agree i
1: i think the uh the, the canadian stampede match for for austin is, is is an important match i mean you really get to see not that he you know wasn't out of his shell before this point but this was like to me like looking back on it like a a moment where you're watching that guy on your screen, and he's got he's got the attention. He's really the star of the match in a lot of ways, and it's just that moment where you're like, all right, if you didn't believe it before, this this guy is going to be important. I, I, and and just how he's able to kind of shift and and work with that crowd, I think is is memorable and really kind of just play off their reaction. I think it's it's something that's you know it, it's not necessarily like a moment in lights that you look back on and go, wow, that's, that made Austin. But to me, it's a, it, it is significant in that you really get to see early on or early ish on that this, this guy's going to be special.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great point. Let's, uh, let's keep it with 97. Let's talk about another one that we had on our list, or at least for sure three of us had on our list. And that's the uh final four, February 97. All right. So Sean Michaels, we were just talking about, uh, Justin mentioned the the WrestleMania match. Kyle mentioned the WrestleMania match with Bret and Shawn that we didn't get. And that's because prior to the February 97 In Your House Final Four show, Shawn Michaels uh, forfeited the WWF Championship, the famous moment where he, quote, lost his smile. And then there was the knee injury story. And uh because of
3: Tell that
2: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> because of that we had the title decided in this <laughs> fatal four-way match and I have to say, you know, I'm not usually a fan of fatal four-ways, but this one worked. You had Brett, you had Austin, you had Vader, The Undertaker, they had a good match. Uh, the winner of the match didn't get much of a title reign. The title changed hands the next night on Raw. But Bret Hart became a four-time WWF champion with the victory in this match. And then he lost it to Sid the next night. But as far as like, multi-person matches go, this is a really, really good match. It has to make my list. It's on my list. It's on, uh, like I said, it's on Kyle's list and Justin's list. Did this one make your list, Zach?
1: It did, yes. It's a little bit... I got it at number eight,
2: but yes, it certainly did. So you're kind of seeing like the seeds of Bret Hart's heel turn at this point. You know, he's on on the way to that double turn with Austin at WrestleMania. Like I mentioned the following night on Raw, they had the match with Bret defending the title against Sid and Austin cost him the match. Bret has the, if I remember right, the sharpshooter on Sid and then Austin comes in and he hits him with the chair and we get the finish and Bret loses the title. So it's It's kind of this transitional moment. You know, Brett doesn't have the long title reign coming out of this show. But uh, if you want to look at a fatal four-way that really works, watch this one. If you want to watch one that doesn't really work, watch WrestleMania 2000.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny
0: because there's no McMahon in every corner for the final four. Uh, (laughs) Very interesting there. This, like, Ground Zero was a novel brawl at the time. Like, there had never really been a match like this in WWF
2: mm-hmm.
0: before they tried this um, this final four. I think the only drawback is that it's still a battle royal and that's how everyone gets eliminated.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's really physical. I think it's probably Vader's best ever WWF in ring effort. And, you know, the eye, you know, the the bl- I, I don't know if it was hardway or a blade job. You know, it was reported that it was Hardway, but Meltzer, he was in his review. He's like, ah, I think he bladed if you look closely. um, Yeah, just a really physical, novel kind of match for February of 97.
2: Yeah. And Justin, you know, when we first became friends in the early 2000s, like I mentioned last week, almost 20 years ago, one of the first things we bonded on is we were huge. Both of us were huge fans of Bret Hart. So I'm curious because I don't think we've ever talked about this. What was your reaction at the time with Bret Hart winning the world title and then losing it the next night? Just irate. <laughs> I was so pissed. Yes. <laughs> was... Yeah, that,
4: that that clinched me following him to Canada and and wanting to stick an enema in Pittsburgh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a great callback. Yeah, no kidding, man. I was just like, I waited so many months for Bret Hart to come back after the Iron Man match, and he finally gets the world title back, and he's it's gone the next night. What is happening here? Yeah, I, I was pretty mad. But yeah, this is a good match. Definitely look it up if you haven't seen it as far as multi people matches go it's it's really good um so i think as far as 97 goes i think that's all of them that us three had on our list did you have any others from 97 zach that we haven't covered i'm going through my list here and i don't
1: think so i think that's the only 97 stuff that i have uh yep that's it yep but i was right on the same page with you guys
2: okay so i guess we will uh there's there's one beyond 97 that we're going to come back and talk about but i think we'll just kind of keep rewinding here then and let's go to 96 the the year previous and one that was on all of our lists and uh it's the sean michaels mankind mind games match from september 96 now this is a match that uh mick foley talked about for years as his favorite match of his career i believe he said something a different match recently i can't remember which match he said but for years and years Orton. This, was it the ord match yeah yeah <laughs> for years and years though he said that this was his best match his favorite match that he wrote about it in his first. Autobiography, and uh, yeah, it's it's a really good match because you think about Prime Shawn Michaels in September '96, who's just so unbelievably in shape. You know, Brett has talked about that at the time, getting ready for the uh, the Iron Man match, how he had to get himself in the best shape possible to keep up with Shawn because he was just in ridiculous shape. And mankind keeps up with him in this match. It's you know, it's like a half hour match, and it, it has the iconic bump through the Spanish announce table off the turnbuckle to the outside which is mm-hmm. really really iconic it's it's a good brawl but also mankind keeps up with him in a, in a technical sense you know they they get technical in the ring and, and he's with them every step of the way i think to this point in his career like this was foley's possibly his best technical outing as well and uh yeah it has to make the list it's on all of our lists i'm, I'm assuming it's probably on zach's list but uh yeah i guess anyone that wants to step in what what did you guys uh what was your rationale for putting this one in
4: this is uh number two for
2: me. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I love this match. You know,
4: that one moment when, uh, they pretend like mankind makes a mistake and Sean, yes, pissed, pissed Adam, that is just one of the best moments ever. Just yeah, really letting the crowd get worked at. And it's, you know, is this real, you know, is this fake? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I also, the other one moment I, I really loved was Sean jumping off the chair in, uh, Kicking Mankind, who was also
0: holding a chair. That was a great moment, too. Yep. yep. Maybe the best sweet chin music ever.
4: <laughs> Shelton oh. Benjamin has something to say. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: I love this match too. I've got this. This is actually my number one. Um and not, and right behind, right behind the, you know, the 1A, 1B mind games and, and, and Bad Blood. But I, I liked, I, I like the psychology in this match. And it goes right into what I do on my, my, my pro wrestling towards show. And like just watching the nuances of Shawn Michaels in this match and the way he sells for, for mankind, the way mankind sells for Shawn, it's, it really is good stuff. And it's, it's a fun match to watch, but it's also a match that really, I think showed the range that Shawn Michaels had he was able to this was this was technical in certain spots but it also was a fight and a brawl in certain spots too and I think he really showed just the range he has as a, a performer and kind of took him up where we got to to see a little more of a, an aggressive Shawn Michaels for the for the first time so I I love this one I've always have loved this match from the first moment that I saw it um tops for me really
2: good stuff mm-hmm So, as you keep it with 96, it's going to stay with Shawn Michaels. And uh, that's the Good Friends, Better Enemies match. By the way, Kyle, did you have anything else to say on that? Throw it to me after you introduce the match. Okay. So, Shawn Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Good Friends, Better Enemies, April 96. I got to say, with this one, like if you look at the last, I guess, six months that Kevin Nash had in the WWF before he went off to WCW and did the whole NWO thing, which rekindled the business for sure – he had a really good last six months with WWF. If you look at uh, the Survivor Series match with Bret Hart right? in, in November of 95, you look at uh, February 96, he had a really good match with Bret at In Your House, he had The Undertaker at WrestleMania 12, and then in April... He had this outing with Sean. It's his first big title defense coming off of winning the title for the first time at WrestleMania 12. And, uh, just, it's an awesome match. It was in Omaha. You had Mad Dog Vashon there, the iconic <laughs> spot with the, uh, the prosthetic leg getting used in the match. Uh, I've just always really liked this match. It seems like when people look at the best outings from Kevin Nash over his career, people point to either this one or the, or that Survivor Series 95 match with Bret Hart, but, uh, I pre- I prefer, as far as Kevin Nash's best match goes, I'd say the Survivor Series match is a little bit better. But as far as in your house goes, this is up there for me. I think uh, Sean just had a had a great outing with Kevin Nash here, Kyle.
0: Yeah, so I have the Mankind match number four, and I have a Diesel match number five on my list. And I just want to say, I don't think this is a hot take at all. I like Sean and Brawls better than quote unquote work rate matches. I mean, like these the, yeah. are like th- this to me, if we would have gotten this Sean Moore during his world title run, I think it would have been a little more successful. Like just the way he walks to the ring for this diesel match, like it brings out an intensity um, that I really liked. I think Kevin Nash having probably the best match of his career uh, in his last televised match for the promotions, very on brand for him. <laughs> you know that, 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 Like, I mean, I don't think anything says Kevin Nash quit like that. Um, and then you know, I love the powerbomb spot in this match where Diesel powerbombs Michaels through the table, and Vince McMahon goes into full oversell mode. Let it be over, let it be over. <laughs> like, that is just some really good stuff from Sean. And, like, you know, a up like Nash was giving Vince all these dirty looks. That was some really cutting edge stuff for 96. And I'm totally with you, Ryan. I, I thought, uh, the character work uh, that he did as Diesel. Um the best stuff he ever did was <laughs> the last six months before he left the promotion, after he loses the title. He wasn't smiling diesel anymore. He was kind of the original tweener mm-hmm. in the promotion and, and he did it beautifully. So yeah, love Sean and Brawls. Love this, love the Mankind match.
2: You know the yep. you mentioned the table spot. And I'm, we mentioned that in in mind games, too. Those were all for, you know, newer fans. Those were like really rare spots during that era. Mm-hmm. You didn't see that happen mm-hmm. all that much. So when when they went through the tables, that was a big deal. So, yeah, go ahead, Justin.
4: Yeah, The thing I love about this 96 Sean run, you know, going, you know, talking about the mankind matches, how good he was at towing the line between what's a work and what's real you know, you had the the quote unquote flub moment in the Mankind match, and then here at the end of this match, the intensity shows and mm-hmm. how seemingly really pissed off he is at Diesel for, uh, you know, obviously at this point he knows he's leaving. Uh, it's just tremendous
1: work on Sean's part.
2: hmm Yeah, uh, Zach, was this one on yours?
1: It was. Yep. Yep. And really can't add too much more outside of what you guys said. What I noticed, and it's a uh, kind of a <laughs> a weird thing to notice, and you certainly wouldn't have noticed it as you watched it live in 1996. But looking back on it, the commentary on Shawn Michaels is... Is, it's pretty like over the top. I mean, Vince McMahon, numerous times, the quote unquote, the leader of the new movement in the WWE, Shawn Michaels. And it's just like, man, you know, I, I hear like the big dog Roman Reigns back in 1986.
0: <laughs> 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 oh my exactly God, Puff like is taken to my veins.
1: <laughs> yep, it's like. Uh. <laughs> it's like. He just can't. It's, it's like it's the same thing. It's it's the same thing, and it it really stuck out. And 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 watching it back in twenty twenty, it's like boy, it's a it's it's annoying now, and I'm sure it was annoying then. Although, uh, albeit a little bit different. So you know, outside of your guys' points, which are all just well taken and and, and well said, um, that is a standout. When you watch it back, you're like boy, okay. This kind of marketing effort and and uh, corporate nonsense existed in 1996 too <laughs> I,
0: I want to send this around the horn because I actually had this same thought with a match that I don't I thought it was more evident in a match that you're going to bring up Ryan that happened a few months earlier. but I think Roman reigns is a like it, in this I don't know if you want to pick a year whatever year whatever it doesn't matter just the modern era is a better baby face than Shawn Michaels was in 1996 like like sean was a better worker there's no doubt he had these great matches but dude like this character like the dancing <laughs> come on man it's a little
2: i you know that's really funny you say that because i was watching one of his matches from this era the other day and i had it on the tv upstairs you know and like the wife's around and the kids and stuff and sean does his entrance where he's Dancing on top of the in-your-house set and stuff. And I'm kind of like, I'm a little uncomfortable watching this. <laughs> it's like, it's really
0: awkward. <laughs> and like Vince McMahon is just like, you know, the verbal fellatio is just oh, off the
1: charts. It's <laughs> gross. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No,
2: that's a good point. I, I would agree. As far as like a textbook baby face goes, yeah, it rains for sure. Not, not, I, I think... not to misconstrue. We're not saying he's a better wrestler than Shawn Michaels. But as far as, yeah, like a... A uh, textbook baby face yes go ahead Zach
1: I, I think the presentation for sure I, once the bell rings though I like the sympathy that Shawn Michaels can drum up and, and really a lot of these matches whether it's this one or other 1996 stuff or even 1997 I mean as a baby face Shawn selling I mean I don't know that there's a better baby face in terms of selling in a match than, than Shawn Michaels
2: yeah that's true too for sure yeah, this uh, this April 96, In Your House with Diesel, The Good Friends, Better Enemies, I'd, I also wanted to note, that was the first time that one of these In Your House shows actually had an official subtitle. So the mm-hmm. first, uh, was it five or six before this? I guess it would have been the first six before this. They were kind of like retroactively given names, like the February 96, it became Rage in the Cage and you know all that. But this was the first time we're heading into the event, it had a subtitle. So Good Friends, Better Enemies, April 96 in your house. Great name. Yeah. So as far as 96 goes, I think as far as the unanimous picks, that's all of them from 96. Zach, did you have any others from 96? I had one from 96, but I'm going to save it for the end. But if you have another one, Zach, feel free.
1: I did. I had one here, and I want to make sure that I I get it right because it was one that stuck out to me. Um,
2: Where is it? I actually have two more from '96. Actually, correct myself—more than one more. My God! Yeah,
1: yeah, I actually have two from '96 too. I wonder if they're the same. So I've got Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart yep. uh, from the February 1996, and then I also have um, Stone Cold Steve Austin against Savio Vega from May 1996. That I I I love that match. Just the stiffness of that match is insane. I, I enjoy watching it to this day. Certainly not something that I think is going to make uh, you know, mo- any more of your articles, Ryan. But to me, this <laughs> one is one that stands out.
2: That's a strap match, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. That's yes. A, that's a, that can is can a really good a match. match. Yeah, that's a really good match. I actually, it is. I it's a good match. Man. Yeah, I considered that. If if this was a top 15, that would have been on mine for sure. Me too, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So that is a good pick. I do like that pick.
2: It, yeah, go ahead, Kyle.
0: That match is famous for Ted DiBiase's last match in the promotion, and I loved the kind of retconning they did afterwards, where Austin claimed he lost on purpose because he didn't want Teddy DiBiase to be his manager anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that was like a little. Bit, I thought that was kind of a, a neat bit of storytelling. Ted obviously went to uh, WCW and um, was part of the NWO and kind of a forgettable type deal, but whatever. Um, that was Austin's. First really good match in almost two years. That's incredible to think about because he was so injured at the end of his WCW run. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: no, that is that is definitely worth a rewatch. I like that pick. And I also had the Sean Owen match from February 96. And I actually, you know, kind of thinking about it because my rationale for this match, I'm not that surprised that you picked it, Zach, because we're talking about storylines and the artistry going into that match. And everything surrounding it is why it made... The list for me, but I'll let you. I'll let you talk first. Why? Why did you pick that one?
1: No, that's yeah, exactly. That that's why I picked it. I mean, I think the 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 happenings around it, you know, kind of frame it up in, in a big way. But I also just I like the match itself. You know, I like, uh, you know, you kind of you see, Sean really at his at his boiling point in a lot of ways. It's right before he's gonna win the 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 big championship at at WrestleMania. Um, and so I think it's a, it's a, it's a good match as a standalone, but also just for the history uh, in the career of one of the best, it's like a, it's like really the, the boiling point match that, that sends him over the top and, ready for that big run that he gets the, later in the year
2: mm-hmm. it's it's like he had to conquer that foe that final foe and owen hart yeah. to get to wrestlemania 12 this match i also recently wrote a column on owen hart's top 10 matches on comic book and this one was in the top 10 for owen hart matches and it's a lot of it is the backstory as i mentioned because if you go back to the previous fall You know, Sean had the incident where he was attacked legit by people outside of a bar in Syracuse, New York. And not long after that, him and Owen had a match where Owen gave him an enziguri kick and then Sean collapsed in the ring. And this was like the early days of the internet. And it actually fooled a lot of people. People thought it was legit, but it was Sean and Owen working the internet crowd, working everybody. And then Sean was off for a couple of months and he joked, or not joked, but he he talked about maybe his career was over. And then he comes back at the Royal Rumble, wins the Royal Rumble, and he has a chance to go on to WrestleMania, but he has to conquer Owen Hart because Owen Hart, for the previous couple of months, had been talking about how he was the man who was who had ended Shawn Michaels' career. And so Shawn had to conquer Owen to get to Brett at WrestleMania. And this match was actually for that WrestleMania match. So mm-hmm. I guess conceivably, you know, mm-hmm. you could have got Owen and Brett in WrestleMania's main event. You know, I think anyone watching at the time kind of knew it was going to be Sean and Brett. But, you know, that was that was the stipulation at the time. Owen being one of the best workers in the promotion... During the mid '90s, Sean obviously as well. Both of them are kind of high flyers. It's a really good match, and yeah, it, it made my top ten. Made Zach's top ten. I know it didn't make you guys, but you know it was probably like on the perimeter perimeter of making
0: your list. Ye- yeah, I considered it for sure. I think the Enzaguri spot in the match is absolutely tremendous. Is the callback to yeah. so the angle? Mm-hmm. Um, this is the match, though, to what Zach was talking about earlier, where Vince McMahon. I mean, my oh. God, him, him and Shaw needed to get a room or something, dude. <laughs> this was like the over-the-top praise was was getting a, a little much, but still, it 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 just missed out on my list. Yeah, I absolutely considered it. Okay,
1: it 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 really is like a. I mean, you're you're so right. And the commentary, but then even the way the match is just structured out, like it it's a good match, no question. But it really it's a match for for Shawn Michaels. The the, the selling, the comeback, his fire up mm. at the end. It's all kind of classic, you know, nineteen ninety six Sean and Owens the the mechanic in there for it. Um <laughs> but yeah, man. Vince McMahon during this one, you're you're right. Like, good grief. It's like, come on. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so Owen making two appearances on the list here with this one and then the 10-man. If you guys want more talk on Owen Hart, check our archives if you missed the show. One week ago, we did an examination on the life and legacy of Owen Hart. I really, really enjoyed that show. So if you're listening and you didn't catch it, check that out on our feed. But uh, yeah, as far as 96 goes, um, I had one more match from 96 on this list that I guess I might as well mention now. And this was in my 10th spot. I couldn't quite decide on which match I was going to throw in here. There was a few I was considering, including the Savio Vega-Steve Austin match. But uh, I ended up going with The Undertaker and Mankind at October 96's Buried Alive show. And um, there's a few reasons for it. I just think going into the match, it was so unique. You know, a Buried Alive match just was a really cool stipulation. Cool gimmick with the match. I love the lightning strike at the end when it, when everyone buries <laughs> like all the guys come out and bury the Undertaker, even though he won the match, he beats mankind. But then, you know, they they have the uh the executioner come out, Terry Gordy. Oh,
0: <laughs> and, uh, real, real low point of Terry. <laughs> yes, it was. Score, yes, it, it was. <laughs> But uh God bless his soul.
2: I just really like this match. I like the feud that The Undertaker and Mankind had with with Paul Bearer turning on The Undertaker in the summer of ninety-six and the boiler room brawl and uh SummerSlam that year leading up to this. So this made my list. I think uh Justin, was this on your list? Yes, it was.
4: Yeah, I I had this at number nine. For all the same reasons you said, obviously, it's easy to pick apart, it's easy to criticize. Um, but the excitement level going in. And compared to a lot of, like, you know, new gimmicks, I, we recently criticized the Inferno match for something that we were excited for and it didn't live up to expectations. Uh, I, I, I think this did a much better job of, of doing that and was you just can't forget about how exciting it was at the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of yeah. an over the top match, but it was just so cool and so unique. It's that's why I put it in there for Hit sure. Hit with your trivia, Ryan. Oh, okay. So the other trivia piece on In Your House Buried Alive in October 96. I'm glad you threw that out there. I might have forgot. This was the first WWF pay-per-view event where the world champion was actually not active on the pay-per-view show. So Shawn Michaels was the world champion at the time, not in action on the show. He actually wrestled Goldust in a dark match after the show went off the air. So the live crowd, I think in Indianapolis, I believe, that night, they mm-hmm. they got that match, but uh, it was not on the air. So for very first time, WWF pay-per-view without the world champion on
0: air at the time. Can anyone name oh. the only other in your house where the active world champion did not work in some capacity? I've got a dollar for you.
2: Uh, mm. Let's see. Canadian Stampede? Nope, Undertaker no, worked, worked Vader. that show. Did he work Vader at that show? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We're supposed
0: to work Ahmed Johnson, actually, but then Ahmed got hurt, mm-hmm. which is extremely on brand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. I'd have to think yeah, about that's it. good trivia. The answer is No Way Out of Texas. In February mm. of 98, Sean was supposed to work, but of course had his injury. back injury.
2: Yeah, that's right. That makes sense. Uh, yes. All right. So I think that wraps up 96. Uh, it 90... was
0: replaced by Savio Vega, who was in a much darker <laughs> place than that Caribbean Strat match.
2: <laughs> yes. So 95, the year that In Your House was born, um, the year ended with an unbelievable match. I, I will never forget the first time I saw this match. and It was actually kind of clipped at the time. It was on a WWF home video. Not even... I don't... I don't remember if it was Coliseum. I think it actually was Coliseum video, but it was it was. I think I bought it at a Kmart. It was confirmed hits. WWF confirmed hits, and it had the Bret. Exclamation point! Yeah, it had the Bret Hart British Bulldog match from December '95 in your house. I love this match. I actually like this match more than the match that they had at Wembley Stadium at SummerSlam '92. Uh, just the way Brett blades in this match oh my god there is so much blood in this match I couldn't when I first saw it the first time I was probably 13 years old I could not believe all the blood in this match and he is just there's there's literally puddles of blood on the outside of the ring it is a really really good match it's very very different something I think you're going to talk about Kyle than the match yes. they had at Wembley Stadium three years earlier and uh it's a unique finish as well uh I think Brett wins with the Mahi Straw Cradle, if I remember yes, right. Lama,
0: yes, La Mahi Straw. Yes. Yeah.
2: But uh God, this is a great match. And if I if I'm picking a Brett Davy Boy Smith match, it's this one. Kyle, what did you notice about this one? Okay.
0: It's maybe better than Wembley. I love that you like it better than Wembley. That's a that's a that's a man's call right there. I do. I like it better. Because <laughs> it gets the grain. I I like that you said that. I, I don't know if I think it's better, but it's damn close. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing I love about Bret Hart overall as a performer is he can have multiple great matches with the same opponent, but the matches themselves end up being quite different. Like, this is a very different match than Wembley. Wembley's a babyface versus babyface deal. This, Davy Boy's a heel. I think Davy Boy's a lot better in this match. I, I think if you're going to make the case that this is the better match, a lot of that's probably going to be set around the fact that Davy Boy Smith is just works a lot better here than he did in Wembley. I think he was completely carried at SummerSlam 92 by Mm Bret. But, you know, those are different. The Owen Hart matches that he has, Bret. WrestleMania and SummerSlam, very different matches. Austin, Survivor Series 96 and WrestleMania 13, very different matches. He can have a technical match and a brawl with the same guy and they're both very good. That is a huge mark in Bret Hart's favor uh, as a performer. This was number six overall on my list.
2: Okay. Uh either two of you want to talk about this one.
1: This one for me <clears throat> it's on my list too and it's just it's it stands out because of the, the blood, like you said. I mean it I mean that is a a I, I, – it's like you can't unsee that when, when I think of that match, that's what I think of. And I'm sure other it was a good match outside of that, no question. But to me that's in nineteen ninety five you didn't see a whole lot of that yes, stuff. Exactly that that really stands out.
0: Mm-hmm. What was the previous big blade job on WWE pay per view before this? Mm. Did we not have blood since WrestleMania Eight with Flair and Bret? I'm sure there was, but nothing that like there stands out in in a major yeah. way. Yeah, there had to have been. All right, so ninety. I don't know because remember, I mean, Flair got in all that trouble. I'm trying to think, ninety three. Dude, I don't know if there was. I'm sure know. if someone's listening, they're gonna, you know, correct us on Twitter. But yeah. I, I legitimately am not convinced there was a blade job on pay per view between WrestleMania Eight and this. No, nothing that really things? stands
2: out. Nothing that's iconic. That's for sure.
0: Nobody would have done it. Nobody would have dared done it on the undercard. Yeah. And I'm trying to think. No, no. no. Like Luger era, no. Um, you know Hogan could always get away with it, but he only had that quick cup of coffee in '93. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I'm trying to think of the other in your houses.
2: And and again, it's not just a little. Like there's puddles yeah, no, I mean, yeah, of it's blood. It's like insane. Job, yeah.
0: yeah. Vince like, yeah. oh, I don't want to. Let's not get a close up of that. You know, mm. Vince could be a good commentator sometime.
2: <laughs> Justin, when was the first time <laughs> you saw this match? Uh, the network. Yeah,
4: I never saw it until the network.
2: I think I bought nope. it. I think I bought the tape of this show at a, at the Kmart that I believe you worked at at one point in time, but it, you would have worked at there years later because I bought it in like 97, 90, uh, no, maybe 96.
4: The good old days when for the grand opening, I was Twinkie the Kid. <laughs>
2: I'm now going to introduce you as Twinkie the Kid from now on. Should have never told me that. (laughs) I I write that as a badge of honor. Yeah, that's awesome. I
0: don't think I've seen this whole pay per view either because the version I had was the Winter Combat tape and they combined In Your House Four. And in your house five into one thing, but they didn't show all the matches. That's right. They showed, yep. I guess the stuff that worked. So I don't think I've ever watched either of those two in your houses proper. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, why would I? You know, I, I don't think there was anything significant on the undercard of this that's worth going out of your way able to watch. No. Yeah.
2: So yeah, that's that's pretty much a unanimous pick there. Um, as far as ninety five goes. I know a few of you have some matches on your list that we can go into. I guess I could throw it first to Kyle because he's got a Bret Hart match uh, with a man who was on Top Rope Nation recently. You want to talk about that one?
0: Yeah, my number ten uh, entrant on this list was Bret Hart against Jean Pierre Lafitte in your house three triple threat September '95. A few weeks back, we I think we we're talking about WrestleMania '11 at the time and talking about how Bret Hart was really greatly misused in 95 yeah. until he eventually wins the title. And even when he wins the title, uh, by his own admission, he was a transitional champion, Sean. Now, that all being said, he still had a great in-ring year with a diverse set of opponents. I'm not going to spoil it. I know Justin's got a different one, and I think that's a, a fine choice as well. Uh, for me, I picked Jean-Pierre Lafitte uh, to get the Ted entrant and, and, because you alluded to it, Ryan. Uh, you know, PCO. He was on our show, and if you come on our show, I'm simply going to bump your star ratings up. It's just that simple. <laughs> Shameless. <laughs> yeah. Okay. and that's what it boils down to. That you want to know how we... ten was a real close call, but you come on our show, I'll tell you what. You're getting a quarter star <laughs> added every match. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean it's it's in, it's in the conversation. When
0: I got down to the tenth, I mean pick. in all seriousness, I'm not just like yeah, yeah, it's a good match. It, it, yeah. it is a really great match. It's not like I'm just doing it for that. But no. yeah, I mean. There's just a lot of great spots that you wouldn't expect um, in a 1995 WWF match in this show, and mm-hmm. I really appreciate Brett's '95. You know, with kind of 25 years of hindsight, just because you know he was still just finding a way to kind of have unique matches. You know, he was getting thrown some weird opponents, and you know, and, and having some real uh, some real uh, uh, hoots in the mm-hmm. ring. Did anyone else
2: have this one on their list? Zach, was this on your list? Uh, no, this one did not
1: make my list.
2: Nope. Justin, you had one on your list from 95, which I also considered for my top 10. Just This one actually was in my top 10 at one point, and then I threw the the Buried Alive match in. You had the Buried Alive match in yours, but you also had this next one from May 95. You want to talk about that one?
4: Bret Hart versus Hakushi. Uh, I gave it some bonus points. For being the very first in-your house match. Mm-hmm. Granted, there was a dark match, but we're not gonna count that. Um, <laughs> kind of, you know, along the same lines as Kyle, this just goes to prove how good Brett was at the time. They didn't get a lot of time in the match, but they still put on a great performance. Um, and then also kind of the running theme of my list is that uh frankly, it's a, it's a, in my opinion, a lot of these guys' best match. Uh, I think this was probably Hakushi's best WWF match. You know, we talked about Vader and Diesel earlier. I think the, the HBK Mankind match is Mankind's best match. Um, and then, I uh, you know, I guess was the Bret Hart match Davy Boy Smith's best. I mean, I guess does it come down to that or SummerSlam?
2: Yeah, yeah, I would say probably so. well, that yeah, and, and the Owen match on Raw probably mm-hmm. in March. The European title match. All those those three are probably when it comes to uh, Davies matches, those three would be the top for me.
0: Brett and Hakushi did have another match on Raw after that. That was probably like on the same... I I haven't watched it in forever. I, don't quote me on this again. Someone on Twitter will correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure it was the debut of the Space Flying Tiger drop on WWF television.
2: Hmm. And
0: yeah. that's what it was famous <laughs> for. Um, I can't... I. I I don't remember if the match itself was better than the rest. I really liked the in your house match. I considered it strongly. It was it was really a coin flip between that and the Jean Pierre Lafitte match. And you know, I just I just wanted to make the joke about you know selling out to interviews. <laughs> well <laughs> worth it. Well worth it. Mm-hmm. Was this one on yours, Zach?
1: This one wasn't on mine. No, no, I didn't have this one on. But it is a, it is a good match. If if it was a top fifteen, this would be on there for sure. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I had two other ones later in your house, and, and I'm not sure if you guys are considering these in your house pay-per-view events, but those were the two that I had that
2: kind of rounded out my top ten. Okay. Do you have any for, any more from 95? No. Okay. Well, we got Let's hit one more from 95, and then we'll fast forward because I know there's at least one more that I think all of us are going to mention for sure from 98. Uh, 95 looks like Justin and Kyle, you both have one more from 95.
4: I don't I don't want to praise one of the participants, so I'm going to let Kyle take this one. Okay. You know,
3: okay.
0: This <laughs> uh, is Jeff, it's Jeff Jarrett's best WWF slash WCW match ever. Yeah. In your house to mm. the Lumberjacks. That's uh, true. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Jeff Jarrett wasn't carried in this match at all. I thought he tur- turned it in absolutely tremendous effort. I watched it yesterday just to make sure I wasn't misremembering. Dude, he's really good in this. This is almost like a southern style brawl, which you just do not get often at all in WWF. And I love this match. I I don't think it's the match of the year. I think it was well, I think a lot of people would say the the latter match with Razor was for WWF that year. But you know, this got a I honestly feel like this was like the highest rated PWI WWF match. Am I maybe I'm misremembering that too? What for whatever that's worth. But, um, no, I I thought this was absolutely outstanding. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah. A a fun finish, too, with, you know, Sean's knee really getting worked the entire match and Jeff signaling to Road Dog that, hey, I'm going to fling him to you, hit the knee.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was in the conversation for me, too.
0: (laughs) They, of course, quit right after Jarrett and Rhodey because they didn't like the angle where it was going to turn out Jarrett was lip syncing.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, it's definitely a good one. I it would it would be in my top fifteen, I think for sure. Uh, so that I mean, I think ninety five goes. I don't think anyone had anything else from ninety five. So I guess we'll fast forward then back to the final full year of uh, in your house, and that would be nineteen ninety eight. So the attitude era is in full swing, and uh, one that all of us had, and I'm sh- I'm sure this is on Zach's list as well is the In Your House Over the Edge match with Steve Austin and Dude Love. And we kind of talked about the kind of the genesis of this story when uh, we did a Top Rope Nation Classics a few weeks ago, and we talked about the Raw, where uh, Raw finally beat Nitro in the ratings after the 83 weeks, and we saw the, the Foley turn on that show, and that led into two consecutive pay-per-views with Steve Austin and Mick Foley working as Dude Love and this is the better match i think over the edge and uh, i know kyle is absolutely loves this match you call this the best match in in the attitude era
0: yes i am as high on this match probably as anyone you'll find this is number two on my list overall uh not only do i think it's the definitive attitude Era match against the best u.s match of either 1998 or 1999 i know there was not a lot of competition that was kind of a down period uh, for in-ring action despite the business being arguably at its all-time height popularity wise It's not just bell to bell for this thing. The introductions before this match are freaking hilarious with Pat Patterson doing the Briscoe Brothers body shop stuff. Jim Ross with quote, and we know who does the rear ends.
2: Okay, something you could not get away with
0: saying in the year 2020. Um, And we know about Canadian Stampede. We talked about that. But don't discount how awesome this Milwaukee crowd is for this match. They love Steve Austin. And something that stood out to me when comparing this to the other matches on the list is how satisfying the conclusion was to the match. You think about it, like the Michaels Foley, that's kind of a cheap ending, right? Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, You know, even Brett Bullock, the Lama is creative, but it's sort of out of nowhere – final four ground zero those are kind of like cheap endings this is a send the crowd home happy finish um the undertaker choke slamming patterson and briscoe is freaking awesome the crowd is just going nuts the best spot in this match in my opinion is when foley is sitting on the guardrail and Austin just clotheslines the absolute shit out of him and Foley just takes the bump headfirst on the concrete, which mm-hmm. is nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I This is a five-star match for me. I cannot heap enough praise on this. The only thing better than it would be the Hell in the Cell match. Yeah. Zach, on your list?
1: Uh, yep, this is on my list for sure. Um, for all the reasons that you said, and I'll, I'll take it in a different direction, and just, I mean, this is fever pitch steve austin era you know i mean that crowd like you said kyle is is rabid for stone cold steve austin and i think it's a it's a testament to because you know again i don't know if you put that match in a different time with a you know different set of stars and you do it the same exact way without everything else that's happening around it in terms of star power i don't know that it is you know a five-star match but you've got just the, the the red hot babyface in Stone Cold Steve Austin. You've got Dude Love, the the heel. You got all the Vince McMahon stuff going around around it, and it's just it's a it's a match for for that time and for that era of wrestling, and it still holds up today. And I think it speaks to when you've got your characters and your stars lined up the right way, and they're lined up with the reaction that the crowd is is willing and ready and passionate to give them, it it makes for special in-ring wrestling. And I think this is a great example of that. One of the best matches of that year um, in WWF for sure.
2: Mm -hmm. Justin.
4: This is number three on my list and I'm not going to even dare put it any better.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's, it's been well said by both uh, Zach
0: and Kyle. This this is a really, really good match. I really love what the in-ring storytelling, too, when you compare it to the other matches on this list. So something that's kind of like a little disappointing with the, – the only negative with that Michaels-Mankind match is that there's a lot of brawling in the match, and it still ends in a DQ, and it feels kind of cheap. And there's another match that I considered didn't make my list that was kind of like, oh, well, uh, the Ground Zero match. You know, there's a lot of like – things that could be DQs, and then it still ends in a DQ, which mm-hmm. is kind of cheap. And the, Bret Hart, Steve Austin from Revenge of the Taker, was the other one. I knew there was another match that I thought I was like, man, you know, there's a lot of time these guys are breaking the rules, and then it, it's kind of cheap that they still end in DQ. Uh-huh. This that's the
2: uh, the forgotten Bret Steve Austin match, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, the in ring storytelling, how they start brawling, and then Vince McMahon runs the Patterson and does the this is just a reminder. This match is no DQ, which was not agreed on. McMahon was changing the rules. They was like, so awesome. And then to me, this is peak Jim Ross, this match for uh, this year, like second year. Like, I mean, you you can debate whether it's better than 89 Jim Ross, I guess, but like for this era, Jim Ross, this match is like his peak, like his response. Wait a minute. Since when, since now that's not right. (laughs) Like, he's just unbelievable throughout this (laughs) match. I
2: feel like this is a a good point to point out that Jim Ross was on Top Rope Nation. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is not at all influencing Kyle Ross here, though. No, no, (laughs) I I really thought it was. No, no, it is
0: legit. But you really got to watch the Jean-Pierre Lafitte match. It's really good. But anyway, I mean, Jim Ross (laughs) is just tremendous. Yeah. I mean, just his reaction and, you know, there's stuff even in the intros, too, where, like, they they introduced Pat Patterson as having won a grueling tournament in Rio de Janeiro, and he goes wink wink.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Call back to the IC title tournament, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's see, Zach, you got one more, maybe? Yes, I did. I have the one more, and, and it's it's uh
1: it's late, and I I wasn't sure if I just. Per the rules could include this in, but I'm a sucker for the backlash rock Austin match in 1999. The, I, I mean, it's not a technical classic by any means, but the, it's a, it's a hell of a brawl and you kind of, it's, it's, it's the rock, you know, on the come up, Austin still has a pillar star. It's coming out of their, you know, their, their, their historic WrestleMania 15 match. And so it could very well be symptomatic of me at this time, like really watching for the very first time. But, I, I still go back and watch that match and it's it still holds up. It's a hell of a brawl style match and very much, you know, nineteen ninety-nine in in style with the audience brawls. They're outside the arena. Uh certainly not a five star, you know, Matt classic by any means, but uh if you're into just crowd responses and just big stars colliding, this is that.
2: Yeah, I, I actually think that's a better match than the WrestleMania match. Yes. And you know, as you mentioned, because it's kind of it's kind of on the edge. So as I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, that show was initially advertised as the in your house. It was in your house backlash, and then they dropped in your house in the weeks leading up to the event. So like sometimes people include this in the in your house lineage, and sometimes they don't. So yeah, it is. It's right on that. It's right on the edge there, and I'll allow it. I'll allow it, Zach. So okay, good, <laughs> good. Yes, good. It, it, it's a really good match.
1: But I, I'm interested because so better than the WrestleMania match, huh?
0: hmm Yeah. I think it is. Austin, how- yeah, Austin, by his own admission, was like off that day. Didn't he get like divorced yeah. that day or something? Didn't like the, the ink get dried on his divorce, Ryan? Am I That's, making that up? That sounds right, yeah. And he forgot his vest, too. And he comes down wearing a T-shirt. Yes. He, he, yep. mm-hmm. he, he, yeah. I'm, I'm positive now the story. Like, he was like, having a really shitty day. hmm and, and he, like, said his performance wasn't really that good. Yeah, WrestleMania 15 was
2: just kind of a disappointing show all around. And I mean, it's it's not a bad match by any means, but when you look no, at the Rock match Austin the matches. I mean, yeah, yeah. When you look you know, at the Rock yeah. Austin matches at WrestleMania, like, it's my least preferred of the
0: three. The fact that anyone was still there after they hung the big boss man is <laughs> <laughs> but a testament yeah. to those yeah. over they were.
2: But, uh, anyways, yeah. No, this was a really good discussion in your house. I really enjoyed this.
0: Go ahead, Kyle. You, you don't, you don't, you don't hung a, a person cannot be hung. A person is hanged. I apologize for that grammatical mistake, Mister Ryan Drosty, educator of. Hey, I don't U- teach English. Okay.
2: You're you're fine with me. Okay, (laughs) I'll stick to the history, man. I'll stick to the years and dates and all of that. So, no, it was fun reliving the years of 1995 to 99 with you guys tonight. And, uh, you know, a good deep dive. If anyone's looking for some stuff to watch on the network as you get ready for NXT TakeOver in your house this Saturday, there you go. Those are some great matches you can watch. And uh, I want to thank Zach Haydorn again for joining us. Definitely check out On the Canvas over at pw torch and uh zach tell the listeners again where can they find you on twitter
1: you guys can follow me uh, uh, at z torch it's at z h e y d o r n torch and uh, thanks you guys for having me always just a pleasure chatting with you
2: absolutely we'll have to do it again and awesome uh, kyle absolutely. kyle where can they find you at trp kyle and justin Add Justin enjoying <laughs> i think so i think that is it and i am at ryan Drosti, d-r-o-s-t-e find the show at top rope nation better yet send us an email let us know what are your favorite in your house matches top rope nation at gmail.com you can also find us on instagram facebook and yeah pretty much all of the social media sites we will be back with you on thursday morning to talk nxt takeover in your house this Saturday night. So, with that said, I'm Ryan Drosty here for Justin Joint, Kyle Ross, and Zach Haydorn. Catch you guys next time. Have a good week.